welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by My Hockey Resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Keith McCambridge, associate coach with the Vancouver Giants. Keith brings a wealth of experience to the table to coincide with some very unique experiences having coached in both Alaska and Newfoundland in his long list of coaching roles. Having played as well, he brings a full arsenal of perspective and provides some great insight from start to finish. With that, I am happy to present Keith McCambridge, Associate Coach with the Vancouver Giants. Lately, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action, ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. And DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Keith McCambridge, associate coach with the Vancouver Giants. Keith, thanks for joining the podcast. No, oh, thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting to have you on. You know, being um, from Newfoundland, I know you coached there for a while, so I was able to uh, watch from a fan perspective, but now finally getting to have the conversation with you and go through your career a little bit. So I think this will be a great interview, and I'm sure listeners will get a lot from the conversation. So starting off, let's just learn about you a little bit, maybe talk about your upbringing and playing sports in your early years and, and just giving a general overview of pretty much who you are. Yeah, I, um, I was born in Thompson, Manitoba. Uh, my dad worked, there's a nickel mine up in Thompson, Manitoba. My dad uh, worked there. My parents uh, came from Belfast, Northern Ireland uh, to Canada in the, um, in the late 60s. Um, and we, uh, we, um, Moved to Thompson, um, enjoyed up there. There's not much else to do up in Thompson, Manitoba, but to uh, to play hockey, it's uh, it's not the warmest place, but um, some really good memories there. Um, and then moved down to Winnipeg and uh, played my minor hockey in um, in Winnipeg and Selkirk, Manitoba, which is 45 minutes outside of of Winnipeg. Um, and you know, had success there. Um, learned a lot from different coaches. Lots of good friends. My mom still lives in um, in Selkirk, uh, Manitoba. My wife is uh, from Manitoba as well. Um, we go back during the summer times, but um, uh, played all my minor hockey between Selkirk and Winnipeg. And then was back then you used to get um, listed 
to the uh, Western Hockey League. So I was listed when I was 14 uh, by the Swift Current Broncos to, um, to play for Swift Current. Um, and it's interesting because back then when you're 14, they invite you to camp and you're going to training camp with guys that are, you know, 19, 20 years old. They look like they, uh, you know, they got mustaches, they got full beards. And I'm just this punk 14 year old kid trying to, uh, to make a, uh, an impression, but um, they were great learning experiences and um, was able to um, eventually make the Swift Current Broncos. Um, and then played with them for four years. Uh, we went to Memorial, we won a, um, a Western Hockey League uh, championship in 92, 93, um, and went to the Memorial Cup uh, in Sault Ste. Marie um, in that year, obviously lost. Uh, Sue ended up winning it that year. Um, and then my last year in junior, I was traded to um, the Kamloops Blazers. Um, they were hosting the Memorial Cup that year, that was 95. Um, and we ended up, we played the Brandon Wheat Kings in the WHL final. Uh, we won, so they got the automatic buy-in, but we ended up winning the Moral Cup, which um, was really special. Uh, it's, a, it's a really hard cup to win, but a great memory. Um, and we had a pretty good team. We had, um, you know, players like Darcy Tucker, uh, Nolan Baumgartner, um, Jason Strudwick, um, Jerome McGinla, uh, Shane Doan, Nat Domicelli, uh, a long, long list of players. Uh, of players that uh, obviously went on to real strong careers. So that was a real special, uh, uh, special moment to win that, um, you know, when I finished up my, uh, my junior hockey career. Yeah. It's an outstanding story to hear about and, and definitely being a 14 year old being thrown into that situation. Uh, it can be a lot of nerves in play. And like you say, you're just trying to make an impression and uh, you got guys that are 19, 20 year old men pretty much at that point. So interesting to hear that, but, Maybe let's go into the Memorial Cup just a little bit more. I know you've had two chances and, and obviously won the second one. Uh, just kind of give a, a general sense of, you know, first time going in, what the feeling was going into that tournament, and then maybe how that first experience helped you change your approach the second time and, and what made that a successful run. Yeah, it's um, first off, the pressure of uh, with being the host uh, team. So obviously we're in front of our home crowd. So uh, there was pressure there. Um, and Kamloops, the Blazers back then in the uh, in the 90s, where it was it was expected to win championships. That was the third Memorial Cup uh, in four years that they had won in that organization. So um, there's always going to be you know a lot of spotlight on on the organization individuals. But uh, that was something as a young man that was uh, something that you learn from in a good way. Um, and then being able to take the uh, you know what we had going with the uh, with Swift Current there with the experiences of of losing the Memorial Cup. Um, you know, you always uh, are able to uh, take steps to, to better yourself, to, to learn from those experiences. And that was something that I was able to, uh, to um, help with the, uh, with the Blazers as well. So um, it's, you know, we, we played Detroit uh, in, the, in the finals. I believe we beat them. The score was nine to one. Paul Maurice was a coach of the, uh, of the Detroit team. Uh, and then they had Berard was on that team. And then our head coach was, uh, was Don Hay, but it, uh, one thing, and, and I'm looking forward to be able to translate that to, to help some of these players in the Western Hockey League is um, just how, how hard it is to win a championship, how hard it is from uh, the start of a normal season uh, to get to that cup in, uh, in May and the grind that takes place and the ups and downs and the learning curve that, uh, that takes place for, um, for these young, men's, young men. So it was, it was again, um, something at the time you, uh, you know, you're in it, you're young, you're enjoying it. But when you look back, it was, uh, it was pretty Im impressive that group to be able to win that many moral cups. And, uh, and I was fortunate to uh, be a part of it. 
Definitely. And, and something to look back on for the rest of your life and continuing on with your playing career, you know, you'd have some more experiences at the AHL level and, and a couple of different teams there. Just walk us through your time at that next stage of your playing career and uh, maybe just touch on some of the experiences that you were able to have. Yeah, so then I was drafted by the Calgary Flames, um, which was pretty, uh, which was cool being drafted by a Canadian team because I'm a proud Canadian. So that was, uh, that was really neat. Uh, Calgary at the time was, uh, they won the Stanley Cup in 89. I was drafted in 95. So a lot of good players in their lineup, um, but signed my first pro contract. Their farm team was in uh, St. John, New Brunswick. Um, so went there, um, spent three years uh, in St. John, a uh, great group of young prospects that we had there. Um, enjoyed the experience. It was my first time living out in the Maritimes, which was uh, really needed. As, as you know, Ryan, back then, all the teams were out there. They had PI, had Ottawa's team. Fredericton had the uh, Montreal Canadiens team. Uh, Cape Breton was Edmonton. Um, St. John's was the Maple Leafs, obviously. So there was lots of uh, everything was in that area, which was nice travel-wise. Um, but played three years uh, with, uh, with Calgary's farm team. And then I signed in the International Hockey League, which was a rival uh, development league with, uh, with the American League at the, at the time. This would have been um, mid to late 90s. So they were competing for uh, NHL prospects um, to be able to develop them in, in that league. So uh, signed with Vegas um, in the International League, which was a, a big adjustment coming from uh, a Canadian kid coming from... Um, uh, New Brunswick to go to Las Vegas, but uh, again, it was uh, a real uh, experienced group um, when you go to uh, that league. And I remember my very first game, um, you know, as a young young defenseman, and I tried to play a physical game. And I remember running around and, and playing how I played in the American League, I was hitting people and cross checking people and playing tough that way. And I remember uh, it was a lot of the guys coming back into their NHL careers in the IHL. I remember some can't remember who it was, but a big tough guy coming up to me and said, "Hey, kid." take it easy out here. Stop running around out here. This ain't the American league anymore. So, um, but it was, you know, uh, Vegas uh, was, was really unique because you got a lot of guys, uh, NHL players that were, um, you know, had contract disputes and they needed a place to stay in shape and play. So they would go there. So you got to meet lots of different um, uh, NHL guys that, uh, that you're able to observe and watch in practice. Peter Nedved was one, for example, to see how he prepares the skill set he has. Um, but that was a lot of fun. And then, my uh, when I was there, I got traded to uh, the Long Beach Ice Dogs, which was LA's farm team at the time. Um, and I remember Bob Bourne was my coach, uh, the old Islanders legend. And Bob called me in, and he said, "Keith, I got good news and bad news for you. Uh, what do you want? Uh, what do you want first? I said, well, "I'll take the uh, I'll take the bad news." And he said, "Well, we just traded you to Long Beach." I said, "Okay, what's the good news?" He said, "Well, you just jumped 40 points in the standings, so I guess it was a, a give and take." So, uh, went to Long Beach. Um, and that was, you know, uh, again, um, a really good group of players, uh, obviously a little better record with, uh, with the success they were having during the season. Um, but it was enjoyable because, you know, you came to the rink, you played hockey, but also, you know, you guys, guys would ride their bikes to the, to the rink. Guys would, would meet for a bite to eat, uh, you know, down uh, by the boardwalk um, in after practice. So that was, that was a good experience. Um, and then from there, I ended up, uh, I earned a contract with the Bruins. So I signed a contract with the uh, Boston Bruins <clears throat> and then um, went to their training camp um, the, uh, the following year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a path and, and a lot of different stops there. But it's interesting to hear, you know, you're able to go to a place like St. John and experience the AHL there and then also Vegas and, and Long Beach and all these different stops. And 
you know, uh, that's the nature of hockey. A lot of times you, you have to move a lot and, and take the roles and, and positions that come to you and presented to you. But um, great to hear that you had positive experiences throughout and, and were able to enjoy your time in these various cities. Yeah, yeah it, it was uh, definitely lots of positive experiences. And one of the things that I was really fortunate uh, that happened and not on purpose was uh, I was able to play for a lot of really good coaches. Um, you know, for me, coaching wasn't something that uh, was, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up my career. I think I might give this coaching thing a try. I've always had a passion for um, how coaches motivate their team, uh, what their systems are, um, how they run a meeting. So I was able to, over those years, um, you know, with Boston there, uh, Peter Laviolette was the coach in, in Providence. Uh, Bill Armstrong was also uh, the assistant coach, who's now the GM with Phoenix Coyotes um, in Providence. Uh, Scott Gordon was the assistant coach who was, uh, who was an Islanders head coach and is now in Lehigh Valley. I still keep in touch. Um, he was a coach there in Providence. I had Randy Carlisle in, uh, in Manitoba to learn from him as well. Todd McClellan, um, when I was with Houston's farm team in, um, in Houston, um, and lots of good coaches that I was fortunate enough to, uh, to be able to learn from as a player. And then I was lucky in my coaching career to work for some amazing coaches as well. I had an opportunity to work with Scott O'Neill, who's now with the Washington Capitals, uh, Claude Noel, who we know coached uh, the Winnipeg Jets, a real uh, passionate coach. So I've had a chance to uh, learn along the way in this hockey journey, whether it's in a, in a plane, wearing your equipment on the ice, or whether it's, um, you know, uh, standing on the bench with one of these uh, excellent coaches as well. Definitely. And, you know, for you, you also had an interesting stage there where you were actually able to do both as a player assistant coach. And uh, during that time, you were able to captain the team to the Kelly Cup. Maybe give us the inside look on that season and just all the emotions and, and the process of, uh, you know, going throughout that season and being successful. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like the movie Slapshot where you see the player assistant stand up there, but he doesn't tell you to put the foil on that kind of thing. But it's, it, it is uh, it is different to stand in front of your uh, teammates that you're going over the boards with and battling with and you're stand up there drawing up different systems or what's going on during the game trying to make adjustments but it was a great learning experience um, but yes I got a call in um, 2003 um, would have been 2003 where I got a, a phone call uh, from Davis Payne uh, another excellent excellent coach he's an assistant with the Ottawa Senators now um, called to see if I wanted to be a uh, interested in being a player assistant coach up in Alaska um, and I remember getting off the phone at the time and me and my wife, we just got married. Um, and I remember getting off the phone and saying, gee, somebody called from Alaska. Do you live Alaska? Like, we're like, oh my God, we're from Manitoba. So we're used to cold weather, but we're like, Alaska, that's a long way away. We think like everybody else, it's going to be igloos and polar bears and moose running around the streets. And it's going to be this barren wasteland. But um, we accepted the job uh, and we went up there and we loved it. It was, uh, it's Anchorage is a city of 280,000 people. They love their hockey up there. We sold out uh, pretty much. We set a record for selling out games, much like in uh, in St. John's. Uh, but they're passionate about their hockey, and we um, were able to have success up there. And along the way, I was able to um, learn not only um, on the ice how to you know how to you know do systems and, and video and that kind of stuff, but also in the ECHL, it's such a it's such a great league for for um, understanding and wearing so many different caps. Uh, as a coach, because not only are you uh, helping to run practice, uh, meeting with players one-on-one, -on -one, um, you're now in the summertime, it's a 12 month, it's 12 months out of the year job, you're now in the summertime, you're calling kids, you're recruiting kids, 
Um, you're up at the main office, you're uh, figuring out how to run a photocopy machine, uh, you're doing Excel documents, Word documents, all these things that skills that you don't have um, an opportunity to do just as a, in a strictly uh, coaching role or player assistant coaching role. So it was, uh, it was a great experience. And then, and then fortunate enough, my last year playing, um, we were able to make it to the finals and, uh, and win the Kelly Cup. So by then I was a little bit, you know, my knee braces were, you know, on both legs and uh, had been, you know, pretty bumped up like every uh, other hockey player that's played for an extended period of time. So I was ready to retire um, and was just really lucky that uh, my last game ever playing professional hockey, um, I raised a cup and I got to get, I remember, I remember stepping from the ice to the bench and I knew that was my last game. And I've always been one of these, I, I was never one of the players that um, felt I retired too early and always wanted to be as a coach, one of the guys and play games and that when I was done playing hockey, I was done. I was done. And I, and I think since I played professional hockey, that last game, I might've played um, an organized game. Maybe I could count on one hand how many times I've done that. Cause I was, I, I was, that part of my life was uh, I was past. And now for me, it was, having a chance to focus on the, the coaching side of things, but to be able to have a memorable experience. Um, and as a captain of the team, go accept that, uh, that Kelly cup and then bring it over to your teammates. Um, yeah, that was, that was excellent. Yeah. Anytime you can win a championship, it's special, but definitely be, that being your last game, you know, it, it leaves a, a fond memory to kind of walk off the ice into, but hockey was definitely still a part of your life. And, and we, obviously no, you moved into that coaching stage. So the next step there was joining them as a full-time coach and eventually moving into the head coach role. Uh, maybe in that role switch to head coach, maybe just break down the, the difference in your approach and some of the different things that you now had to deal with uh, in that head coach role. Yeah. Yeah. Good question, Ryan. It was, it was a really tough balancing act because the guys that I now signed in the summertime to play now as a head coach, these were guys that, um, that I battled with, that I, um, you know, that you'd go for a beer after the game with, um, that you had, it was a, now you're, you're trying to find that, that line a little bit now where you're as a coach. And I always was as a captain. I was always more, um, not a raw, raw type of guy. I was more the type of guy to lead by example. Um, so that transition part was easier, but it was definitely a fine line that I had to walk with now um, from sitting in the stalls in the dressing room as a player to now standing at the front of the room and standing behind these guys as a, as a coach. Um, but it was, you know, the, the group of guys we had up there was, it reminded me a lot of uh, after being in Newfoundland and Labrador and St. John's um, and what a proud province that is. It reminded me Alaska, a lot of that with Alaska. We had a lot of players on that team, Barrett Heiston, Chris Heiston, Scott Gomez during the lockout, uh, Louis Mass, um, Mike Lee, guys that were born and raised in Alaska, and they were so proud of that state, much like guys that are from St. John's, from Newfoundland and Labrador, where they're just really proud of their hometown. So I was lucky that I had a few of those guys on our team in Anchorage, um, where the motivation part was already built in. They wanted to win games in their home state. So, uh, but it was, there was, it was a balancing act. Um, you know, when there's your young coach, you're learning, you know, you're learning how to reach players, you're learning how to run an effective practice. Uh, and on top of it, our uh, NHL affiliate was St. Louis. So we had NHL uh, players. Ryan Reeves was on that team up there. We had players that um, uh, were trying to make it to the NHL. So we had to develop as well. So uh, just lots of good learning experiences. Some you know made good decisions, some decisions that you learn from mistakes made. Um, but all in all, it was, um, you know, again, the last year there, we went to the Kelly Cup finals 
um, and took uh, South Carolina was the uh, was the team we played in the finals. So just a little bit of travel between Anchorage and South Carolina for that uh, for that Kelly Cup finals. But it, uh, Jared Bedner was the head coach of South Carolina. The uh, we took them to seven games. Uh, they had um, James uh, Reimer in net, uh, which obviously is a real good goaltender. But uh, again, um, just a, a, as a coach um, and just as an individual, just just so many lessons and growth experiences that came through that. And again, um, memories that you keep in touch with those guys. Now, some of those players have now went on to coaching. Uh, Louis Mass is now a coach with uh, Everett Silvertips in the Western Hockey League. Um, and we actually had an alumni um, game. They put together an alumni game uh, in the last November, uh, which for the first time I had time off. So I was able to fly up there and attend it, but it was uh, two games and it was sold out. Uh, 5,500 people sold out to watch a bunch of old overweight guys play hockey and skate around and uh but it could just show it just shows you the passion that they have for their uh for the team up there but uh but a, a great springboard for me to to learn so many different things uh as i moved along in the coaching ranks yeah for sure and one of those points that like you made there is just about the the passion for the players in that area and and you know when anytime you're you're involved in your home team uh, you know there's that added um, you know motivation to do well and, and grow in in the game and have success on the ice and and all those things so for you the next move was to the AHL and going back to Manitoba in your home area so uh, just talk about how that experience presented itself and the difference in coaching at the AHL level this time around Again, uh, just fortunate with the timing, you know, when you go deep in playoffs like that, um, you know, there's not a lot of teams still playing. There's, there's six teams, there's two in the ECHL, two in the AHL and two in the NHL that are still playing, uh, still playing professional hockey. So um, able to, you know, to get noticed and had an opportunity, uh, Craig Heisinger um, uh, gave me after we lost out in game seven, uh, she gave me a call and asked if I would uh, be interested in interviewing for the assistant coaching position with uh uh, with the Manitoba Moose, which was um, the NHL affiliate was the Vancouver Canucks. Um, so flew in there on Father's Day and uh, that would have been 2009. Um, and it was an added bonus that it was my home province from Manitoba where my wife was from as well. So um, that was really, uh, really unique and special, but interviewed for the position. Um, Scott O'Neill was the head coach. Uh, Craig Heiser, excellent general manager, was the, was the GM and went through that interview process and um, you know, you walk out of there and it's, uh, it's, it's nail biting and you, you hope that you're going to get the job. And on top of it, you're still trying to recruit your team for the ECHL in case it doesn't. So you don't want to, you don't want to uh, be a step behind uh, in that Avenue. Um, but was lucky enough, got the call from, um, from Scott O'Neill and Lauren Henning, uh, who was our, our, the assistant general manager with the, uh, the Canucks and, uh, and got the job. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite an opportunity whenever you can interview, like you said, for your home team and just have the opportunity to go through that process and then ultimately be selected. But it was definitely something I wanted to hear about and, and just how uh, that whole situation went moving into Manitoba. Yeah, it, it was definitely something. What again, uh, you know, as you you look back years back and and what you've you know different uh, interviews you've went through, it's just uh, it's really I've always been one when I do these interviews. When I do interviews, I always when I come out of them. Um, I write the questions down. I think it's a really good, uh, it's a good exercise for a coach to do for whatever position you're interviewing for just to have those. So when that next opportunity comes along, um, you have a better feel for the questions that might be asked. So those are uh, things that, that uh, other coaches taught me that I learned as well um, in that role as a coach that when you do these interviews, you know, when you get back to your hotel room, 
uh, write down some of the questions just so in the future you have them and you can you can uh, you can learn from them. Yeah, anytime you can set up for future reference, I think that's a, a great lesson to uh, to put in place and, and something that I'm sure a lot of coaches listening will do as they move forward. The next opportunity for you would be in Newfoundland, you know, again, going out a little bit remote uh, this time on the East Coast. Just talk about that opportunity and then maybe the excitement in the area with the return of hockey, which, uh, you know, from a fan's perspective and someone living in the community I knew was uh, pretty special at the time. Yeah, yeah, very special. The, uh, the process there was, um, so after two years in Manitoba with the Moose as an assistant coach, um, then the whole uh, Atlanta, Atlanta uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, transition happened where, uh, where the team from Atlanta was being moved to Winnipeg. And then the farm team, which was in Chicago, the Chicago Wolves was being moved to St. John's, Newfoundland. So um, again, uh, went through the interview process with uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff, uh, Craig Heisinger and Claude Noel. Um, and sat through that and it was hopeful that I could get the job and then was, was again, um, you know, very grateful and lucky to get that position and, and was excited and then flew into St. John's and, um, you know, I hadn't been to, to Newfoundland since, since my playing days in, uh, in New Brunswick. So since around 97, uh, but landed and just the excitement and how professional, um, what a great job they did the way they ran things with Glenn Stanford, you know, you you land and, and Glenn always does things the right way. You, um, you know, um, at the hotel and, uh, and a welcome basket from the mayor and uh, in a great room for, you know, it was just me and my wife, my kids, we, we left them behind with uh, grandparents um, just because we knew we were going to be in and out pretty quick, but I uh, did the press conference um, and just the, the history and the passion and the knowledge that uh, that the people had when I when I did the interviews and when I talked to the reporters, Brendan McCarthy, um, Robin Short, um, you know, just a, 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 the history from 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 everybody that's been involved, whether it was with uh, with the baby lease before, um, but it just really jumped off the page on on how excited they were to have a team back, and they deserved a team back, and it was it was so well supported uh, from day one day one that they uh, that they. Um, had an AHL team uh, on the ice. It was uh, it was something that um, you know when you're when you're looking to develop uh, NHL prospects, uh, some of these cities that you go into or the team is located, um, they don't even have a reporter. They maybe have 500 fans in the stands. I always thought St. John's was so good because you're developing these kids to play, whether it's at the Winnipeg arena, the, uh, for the Montreal Canadians, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, whoever, wherever they end up in the national league. Um, yes, you're doing the on ice practice development. You're doing the game development, the video, all that kind of stuff. But what about the being on the spotlight, being, you know, being the tough questions after a tough loss or being on a, on a, on a drought where you haven't scored in, uh, in seven to nine games. Um, I thought St. John's was, was really good with that aspect as well. That that kind of an overlooked part of development as well. That uh, that there were so many knowledgeable people around uh, that organization. But we love the city. It uh, you know, and that Calder Cup run that we had. Well, you know, we had the you know we had the conference finals of one year, so we got a taste of it. And Danny Williams again, he did an excellent job with um, with making all the players and staff feel important. Um, that was excellent. Uh, and then we went to the Calder cup finals there in 2014 and just the, uh, the passion of the, uh, of the fans and the buzz in the city, you know, we would go out as a staff, um, to get a bite to eat for lunch. Uh, you know, we could pull ourselves away from game prep and, uh, and just when you walk down the street and people would say hello and you'd see the banners on the streets. And, uh, it was, it was such a, such an excellent place for an AHL team to be. 
Yeah, it's a it was a pretty um, fun time, definitely with the Ice Caps returning, and uh, since then the Growlers and some other affiliates with the Ice Caps organization have gone through. But definitely uh, interesting to hear about that start and um, just kind of the experience there with Glenn and Danny and all those people within the organization, and then the Call the Cup run, which was a was a pretty fun time as well. Moving into the, your next position, eventually you would make the move to Hartford and and get to go into the Eastern U.S. and have that experience. So maybe just talk about your time with the Wolfpack and then your entire experience uh, in the organization, uh, the Rangers organization. Yeah, again, the transition with uh, with coaches. So then the team from St. John's, then um, my last year, my contract went in with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, where they moved the team to uh, to Manitoba. Uh, but the, my contract wasn't renewed. So then that summer um, I was looking for a new position. And I remember that was the first time um, as a coach that, uh, that I hadn't been renewed that I've uh, with an organization. So uh, it was an interesting learning curve. And I remember calling um, a friend of mine, he scouted with St. Louis blues at the time um, and talking to me, he's like, okay, good. You've been fired. That's good. And I remember thinking, I'm like, what the heck you SOB? You can't say that, but he goes, okay, it's official. You're officially a head coach. Now you've been fired. So um those are all, those are all um, steps uh, when, you, when you decide that you want to take this path um, in coaching, whether it's assistant coach or, or head coach. Um, these are all parts of it, and you have to be aware of that when you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going I'm to pursue my dream of trying to get to the National Hockey League uh, in a coaching role. Then um, you have to ask yourself if you're, if you're willing and you have to ask your significant other if they're willing. There's going to be moves. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be hard times. Um, and you have to be willing to go through that. And probably, um, just as importantly, if not more important, you have to, you have to learn from those experiences, Ryan. You have to, you have to, um, always have a growth mindset where you're trying to get better. You're trying to improve your craft, um, as a coach. And that was one of those, uh, those experiences where I was able to, to, um, you know, have some time to reflect and have some time to get to, to work on myself and get better as a coach and learn from the things that I liked um, in the past X amount of years and things that I thought, you know what, if I had to do that again, I would do it differently. So, um, that was such a great growth experience as tough as it was going through. It was, it was great. And then I had the, um, uh, now I was again, now I was looking for where was my next coaching opportunity going to be. And, um, um, had an opportunity to go to the draft and interview with, um, St. Louis, um, with the, um, cause there was that connection that I knew from the past with, uh, with, uh, Alaska interviewed for the head job in, um, with the Chicago Wolves. Um, and then that went to Barube and then ended up, um, getting called back, um, and getting interviewed for the assistant position with the, um, with the, uh, Wolves and to be Craig Barube's assistant coach. So I flew to St. Louis and met him, um, had a chance to, uh, to meet the staff there. Ken Hitchcock was there at the time. Mike Yo was there at the time, Doug Armstrong. Um, so that was a great, um, even just a chance to, you know, they were busy with free agent signings and sitting in the coach's office with Mike Yo and Ken Hitchcock and Craig Rube and just talking hockey for the day from everything from what's your favorite book to what system wise was a great experience. But um, at the same time, I got a call from the New York Rangers. They were looking for an assistant coach as well um, at, at that moment. So um, it was between two and I knew that there was, you know, knowing the game of hockey and being in it for X amount of years. Then uh, Daryl Sador was also up for that assistant job with the uh, Chicago Wolves. And I knew Mike Yo was going to be the eventual coach of the St. Louis Blues. So there was a connection that if I was a betting man, I would have thought that Daryl Sador would have got that assistant job uh, over me. 
so I had to make a decision whether to go with the Rangers or whether to see if I was going to get the St. Louis one. So I decided to go with the, um, with New York and, uh, and Hartford and, uh, enjoyed my time first year. Again, now I had a chance as an assistant coach, uh, stepped back, um, to have more one-on-one development time with players to work on skill drills before and after practice, um, to take, my experiences from uh, from some of these young men that have had success and made it to the NHL and try to help the Rangers prospects now, um, and I enjoyed that because, quite honestly, there's there's less pressure on you. You're you know you're not dealing with 23 people, or 23 individuals. You're now dealing one on one, and you're six or seven defensemen that you're working with as well. So uh, I enjoyed that year. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Ken Janander was the head coach. I'd played against Ken um, in the past when he was with Hartford and I was with uh, Providence. Um, so it was, uh, it was an enjoyable year. And then unfortunately, again, in, in the game of hockey, uh, you know, Ken didn't get, uh, renewed. Um, and then I interviewed for that position with, uh, Scott Gorton and Chris Drury at the time. Um, and was again, uh, real excited and lucky enough to get the position as head coach with the, uh, with the Wolfpack. It's just a unique experience to hear about, because like you said, you had other positions that you were interviewing for and sometimes tough decisions have to be made. And, you know, a lot of people will think it's simple as you interview for this job and you move into this position. But, you know, the reality is when you go through an offseason around the draft, there's so many different teams looking for positions and you might have 10 different conversations before you find the one that works for you. But was always interested in, in hearing about Hartford and, and kind of being a different area. Um, and then obviously moving into that uh, assistant role again. And like you said, having that ability to work one on one and with the smaller group as a defensive coach, it just changes the perspective and the role and, um, you know, can allow you to build your skill set there, but also take what you learned as a head coach and bring it into the assistant coach role, which every organization definitely values. Yeah, I agree. And I think also, I think it's important that you gain as a coach over the years, you know, knowledge is important, um, but it's also having the ability to apply the knowledge that you've gained over the years of coaching um, into your profession, into helping players, um, you know, improve their games and overall um, helping the helping your team that you're coaching win hockey games uh, also. So, uh, yeah, Hartford was, you know, it's um, again, you're you know, you're close to you're close to New York City, you're close to Boston. Uh, the travel is everything's pretty close here as well. But then the the two years um, as a head coach in Hartford again was uh, was now you're you're having a chance to see. You know, I saw how the Winnipeg Jets ran things and now you're having the chance to see how the New York Rangers run things and and different aspects and different uh, ways uh, that they develop and different ways that Winnipeg develops. So that was that was um, uh, real excellent also to to step back and kind of see how both teams um, look at their prospects and how they look to get the most out of each each of those players. So uh, I love the group that we had here, you know, the the first year. Um, you know, we went through a lot of transition, a lot of call-ups. We, um, we ended up, we set a record for the most, the most amount of games um, played uh, by a Hartford Wolfpack uh, players for the New York Rangers. So we had lots of call-ups going back and forth. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed the group uh, both years here. They're, they're, uh, we were young, um, which I was used to from Winnipeg. Winnipeg in the, in the back half of my coaching career there was in that developmental phase where we had you know, we had 18, 19 year old, 20 year old guys that were, you know, that they were working on in the pipeline for development. And then the same with New York, where they were in that same position on their development curve, where uh, the big club wasn't um, making pushes uh, anymore for winning the Stanley Cup. They were now looking to kind of rebuild 
and get their young players um, coming up through the uh, through the American Hockey League. So, um, you know, it was it was nice also, which helped me transition, you know, going into this next position in, the, in junior hockey where, you know, again, with uh, with the Rangers, you know, young guys like Philip Heedle, who was 17 at the time, Leas Anderson, 17. Uh, so you're dealing with a little bit um, of a younger athlete than you're usually compared to seeing in the American League of your usual 24, 25 year old uh, men. Yeah, and a great transition there, working with those young players and learning how to develop players at that age and, and understanding what it takes to be successful with the AHL role. You now move into the WHL with the Vancouver Giants. Uh, talk about what you're looking for, uh, looking forward to in that upcoming role and uh, just talk about the WHL season and what your approach is going to be moving through this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the different challenge for sure. Uh, but I'm also really excited about, um, you know, I had the... Uh, the last, I still had a year remained on my contract with the Rangers when I was let go. So I had a year uh, to step back um, and try to work on things that you never have time as a head coach uh, in the American League to work on. So I had a chance, um, you know, to do different things. And obviously with you, Ryan, with analytics and the importance that has had that it has in hockey, that um, I was able to go uh, and attend some hockey analytics uh, conferences um, you know, I was able to, in a location here, uh, drive to uh, Bridgeport, which is 45 minutes away and, and sit in the stands and watch some games. Springfield, the same, watch some games. Um, you know, I believe um, today's athletes, uh, it changes every year. It's, it's not a 20-year change. It changes every single year on uh, how to reach each of these individuals. And I had an opportunity to, um, you know, take a positive psychology course and, and and learn more about that side of, of how the how the athlete's mind works, how the human mind works. And when that opportunity comes about that a player's confidence is down, he doesn't feel good about himself. Um, you know, I, I wanted to have a little bit of training in that area where I can now um, help these young men um, with stuff that I took from that uh, from that course as well. So I wanted to use the time. Um, to to really look at uh, look at different things and and work on yourself. It's it's important in coaching. Um, you know, we're really busy. Our heads down. We're we're facing our computer. We're meeting with players. We're talking with management. We're uh, working on different things. But it's also important when you have time, whether it's the off season, um, to work on yourself. Um, the chance to um, attend different conferences. The chance to reach out to other. Uh, coaches and just talk systems, especially in the world we live in today with Zoom. Um, I think that's that is something that I've learned. Where when I was a younger coach, uh, my head was down. I was working. It was it was twenty four seven, and it us it it still is like that for for all of us at coach. But you also have to take some time um, to step back and say, okay, um, where are some things that I can learn about different areas here that are going on in the world around me in this, uh, in this game of hockey. So uh, that was a, a big part. And on top of it, I had a chance um, to see my kids. I hadn't, you know, I, I coached in Alaska. Um, I was up in Alaska for six years. So you could imagine what the travel was like up in Alaska. Uh, we were gone for uh, two, three weeks at a time. I remember one time we couldn't fly home because there was a volcano in Alaska. So no flights were coming in and out. So we had to stay on the road for like a month. Um, and then the same with when I was in St. John's, we had, we had long trips. So it really gave me a chance um, during dinner instead of sitting during dinner. And, and you guys know, we all know as coaches, you're thinking about the power play and penalty kill and geez, how come so-and-so wasn't working hard in practice? So it gave me a chance to be present uh, with my family. My daughter's 17. She'll be 18 here soon. And my son's 14. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed the year um, just to reconnect with them and for them to get to know their dad. And, and that also, 
um, has been a real benefit to me because now that I'm going to junior hockey um, and working with teenagers now, I have teenagers teenagers at home. So I see the pressures of, of Snapchat and Instagram and, and well, Twitter's for us older people now, but um, you know, TikTok. So, I, so I'm able to see firsthand what these kids go through and, and what their attention span is. So um, I'm looking forward to the challenge of, of going to junior hockey, working with a different athlete, um, you know, even just in this short time, um, having a chance to do some one-on-one -on -one meetings with players and Zoom calls with players uh, as a group and how excited they are to learn. They're like, oh my God, thank you for that video. That was so, they, they just, they want to get better. They want to, whether it's, you know, whether it's get drafted um, or get signed or, or just enjoy the experience of, of junior hockey. Um, it's been nice to, again, to, to have a chance to, to, to see how these, how these guys click. Um, and it is, it's going to be a different challenge for me. I'm, you know, the American league to junior is going to be different, but it's, it's something that, um, that it, I'm, I'm looking forward to and something that I was, uh, that I really felt was an avenue that I wanted to go down to. So we're just hopeful that, you know, that we can all get started and have a chance to really dig in. Definitely. I think anytime you get a new challenge, it, it's something that will motivate you and excite you. Uh, I mean, anytime you're in a situation like that, it's something you should go for. And a, lo a lot of the conversation there was just dealing with junior players and, and working th with those as opposed to players in the AHL. And there's such a difference in those two leagues as we broke down there. But another question I wanted to ask is about the ECHL and AHL. You know, they're definitely both professional leagues. A lot of times the players are interlocking, but if you look at the two leagues, they're definitely at different stages in, in the development curve and, and things along those lines. So maybe just talk about um, the difference in coaching between the ECHL and the AHL and just the, the difference in the game and maybe the styles, even if you could get into that area. Yeah, I've always thought between the ECHL and AHL that the difference in the players uh, is probably um, three inches and maybe 15 pounds. Like it's, it really is. There's so many good players that, uh, that are in the ECHL and have come through the ECHL. Um, you know, so that's always the feeling on that side with systems and that for me, it's always been the same. I've always been, um, and every coach you can, you know, um, when you watch teams play, they're all, they're well-structured. The players don't move away from home or, or move their families to be in the ECHL to just go through the motions and, and not be serious about, about uh, the game of hockey. They're highly motivated players. And, um, and I always thought there were the very, a lot of good coaches uh, that have come through that level as well. And quite honestly, when I'm in that position to look, when I'm hiring people, I love the fact that coaches come through the ECHL because you know what, I know the firsthand that they've paid their dues that they're, they're, they're not guys that are going to sit on their hands. They're doers. They're guys, if you give them a task, they're doing that task because they know the ECHL and everything it entails from the salary cap to the video to everything. It, it, it's so encompassing. So I know when you're looking to, um, to hire assistant coaches or other guys to work with, um, ECHL is a great route uh, to get those, those other coaches from. Um, but the difference between both leagues um, I would say probably more so on the, when you're in the ECHL, um, you know, in my situation, Alaska, I was, I was uh, coach, I was general manager. Um, you know, I had all, I had both positions. So you're able to take your philosophies and style of play that you like and the type of player you like and go out and find them and go out and recruit them. And in your mind, you have your ghost roster and the type of team you want to play and you can go, and pursue those kind of pieces and check them off on your board as you sign 
your number one center, your number one defenseman, your goaltender. Um, so you're able to take exactly what you want, go after it, recruit it, put it on the ice and coach it, which is, which is great because a lot of us coaches, we like being in control of all different things. So that part is, is excellent. But then you transition to the American league. And again, it depends on where the organization you're with, where they are with their development. Are they strictly in the mindset where we're just going to develop and it's not about the wins and losses or are they, you know what, we're going to, we're going to have a more balanced roster where we're going to, have some guys that are going to lead by example, some veteran AHL guys that understand their role is to help continue the coach's message in the room to help push practice the right way. Um, and to set an example for these young players, it, it depends on which organization, where they are. So um, I've seen both sides of it, but um, there's, there's a difference where the ECHL is, is whichever way you want it to be. You're, you're usually doing both positions, general manager and coach compared to now the uh, AHL is depending on where that NHL organization is that your, your approach to the game and, and what you're looking for day to day is, uh, is based on uh, what they want, what your bosses want. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, you know, very similar leagues, but like you said, there are those minor details that will change your approach and change the situation you're put in, but a uh, great answer to that question. And, and we can definitely see now, you know, having gone through all those experiences, there is a major difference between the AHL ECHL and WHL and um, you know it's a lot of work really to understand the players at that level and and make it work uh, from a team perspective one of the things that you did uh, throughout that year break that you had in between was take some time to learn and connect with coaches and things through zoom and just other events and uh, you know different events and, and things like that so the people at my hockey resource they think the same way they are a community on discord which have coaches from all leagues analysts, scouts, you name it, they're on there talking about books, articles, some of their favorite events, and just their experiences and questions. So for anybody listening who's in a similar situation and wants to learn, check out My Hockey Resource on Twitter and Instagram. Keith, you had a lot of opportunity there to learn from some people and, and review different events as you touched on. So just go back and then maybe talk about some of your favorite things to learn from, whether it's events, even books, articles, etc. Um, I really enjoyed having the opportunity to, uh, to attend those, uh, the uh, hockey analytics conferences because uh, usually the conferences that I was used to going to were all guys that look like me. We're all coaches and we're, you know, you usually guys, you know, so it's, and it's usually the draft, <clears throat> which is beneficial as well. Um, but I had a chance to attend the analytics one and, and just hearing um, how much work goes on behind the scenes, the, the formulas that people have to put together, the coding they have to put together to put, uh, to have the information uh, and to relay it to the, to management or coaching staff was eye-opening for me. And also um, the skill set on being able to, as um, being an analytics and, and tracking data, being able to take that information and sit down with the head coach and general manager and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing and being able to sell it to the coaching staff and general manager the, the same way, which I thought was, was real important is you have to have that give and take um, relationship across the table. And, it, and it's the same for, it has to be the same on our side as coaches that we have to have an open mind to say, hey, we've hired this, this gentleman or this lady to, to be in this position and she's an expert, let's listen to the information she has because in my, experience the more information the better but I also believe 
it's important for clarity. So if you can sit down or you need to sit down at the beginning of the year with your analytics staff and your coaching staff and general manager and say, Hey, this is our roster. This is what's important to us. We feel that, you know, we feel, um, you know, uh, shots from the slot is important. Recoveries are important. Uh, entries with the puck, without the puck is, is important. Um, all different things that you need to get rid of all the extra noise and focus on what you want as an organization to, to focus on, which you obviously know that, Ryan. Um, but other things that I enjoyed was uh, the downtime. Um, you know, I like listening to podcasts and, and uh, you know, while I go for runs and that, the Way of Champions podcast is good. I enjoy podcasts like yourself and listen to other coaches because there's always things you can learn and, and little things that guys say that really uh, remind you of old experiences or put off a light bulb on something that interesting that you want to uh, pursue. Um, I had a chance to go to um, NCAA football coaches conference, which I wanted to see what difference uh, the way they ran their meetings or, um, or how they ran their practices or what their, you know, what kind of verbiage they were using. Um, and one of the things out of that was real interesting was just how much they protect their quarterback and different ways that they put their quarterback under pressure. So, um, you know, that was a growing experience um, as well. You know, the um, books that I liked, um, one that was really interesting, and it doesn't sound like it has anything to do with hockey, The Inner Game of Tennis. I don't know if you ever heard of that book. Um, it's an old one. Uh, but a good one. I heard it on a podcast and I was like, I'm, I'm going to take a peek at that. And it was interesting because it, it deals with the self doubt that, uh, that athletes have when they're, you know, when they're trying to get that, make that perfect shot on the net or their, or their, you know, their passing pucks in traffic or just their approach and confidence to the, uh, to the game. I really enjoyed that. It was kind of a, it was uh, not your, your typical uh, book that you're used to reading, but it was a real interesting perspective from how to use your mind and quiet those outside voices in your mind that are putting self-doubt in an athlete. Why um, can I have the perfect one-timer this time, but for some reason I can't, I can't hit it now. And it's, it's, it talks about the, the mechanics and, and how our bodies are obviously impressive the way they function and how, uh, quieting those noises in your head and just letting the mechanics of your body um, work its way through, whether it's a one time or whether it's a backhand in tennis. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, you know, I like the um, uh, some other books, you know, I, I'm reading now. There's one um, that I like to sometimes get away a little bit. I read one on that Matthew McConaughey, the green light. I thought that was kind of interesting. I heard him on a podcast intrigued me on some stuff. Um, Perseverance uh, about uh, Tressman there with Montreal was one that I thought was real interesting. He's been through so many different organizations um, as, as a coach. Um, you know, it's important. It's important to read in, in about hockey, obviously, guys, but it's also important to broad, broaden your horizons and read things um, not only from different coaches and different sports, but different avenues of life. So um, yeah, you always have to be, you know, again, you always have to be making sure that you're uh, – you're trying to get, uh, you're trying to grow, you're trying to evolve as a coach. Yeah. And, and so many different uh, books reference there and conferences and the inner game of tennis is one that Jack Ann uh, talked about yeah. a lot on uh, in our interview. Oh, he did. And, okay, and nice. we, and we've had other guests talk about that. And uh, the Mark Tressman one is, is one that interests me as well, but uh, just goes to show that once again, as I say, on a majority of these podcasts, it doesn't always have to be a hockey book. It doesn't even have to be a sports book. It can be something completely different that just interests uh, you as a person and, and brings something back into your position. So a lot of great references there for sure. 
throughout your career, you've had an opportunity to meet so many amazing people and work with various coaches and organizations, as we talked about before, as both a player and as a coach. Um, you know, a lot of times to be successful in these positions, it takes some form of mentorship or peer-to-peer mentorship and just people bouncing ideas uh, off you on a daily basis. So talk about some of the mentors who have helped you get to where you are today and what are some of the key lessons that they taught you collectively? Yeah, I, I would say my um, <clears throat> having a chance, um, and there's many, there's many that I've, that I've taken a little bit of, of something here or there or, or there for uh, a phone call to ask a question too, but ones that, uh, that um, jumped to mind right away for me would be, you know, Claude Noel um, has been an excellent um, resource for me. He, um, you know, he, I worked with him for a couple of years. And then when he was a head coach with the Jets and I was in St. John's, we had lots of conversations about uh, philosophies and, and, and ways to run a hockey team. Um, but, you know, Claude has been, he always would say, you know, he'd always talk about uh, hockey university. He'd always talk about, you know, it was, even when I worked with an assistant coach, we, um, you know, it wasn't just, you know, go work on this video or, or this. It's like, why are we doing this? You know, um, you know, what are, you know, what's the purpose behind this? How are we going to, it wasn't the, it wasn't at your level one or level two with reaching players in development. It was at level seven. And it was, it was, you know, at the time when you're working with someone, Claude was, uh, he was a straight shooter, which is, I like people that are straight shooters. And he was, he was demanding, but man, did I learn a lot from him. And we're still, really good friends to this day. He's been, um, you know, anytime I have a question or I just want to pick up the phone if I'm driving somewhere and, and give him a call and just talk about whether it's his wife, Linda, or his kids or about my family or just about hockey. Um, he's just a really good man to, uh, to, to pull information from, whether it's hockey or just life in general. Um, you know, Craig Heisinger um, is a really good friend. You know, I've known uh, Zinger for a long time, but he's, uh, you know, the side of just... Um, you know, again, the people side of things on um, on dealing with people, the uh, off ice on uh, on what players' needs are. Um, you know, what they need, whether they're an NHL player, whether they're an AHL player, uh, and almost like that father figure as well. You know, it's um, I'll never forget. Uh, my dad passed away in 2011. Um, it was right before I came to St. John's, and I remember looking behind me at the church and in the stands. It was a long weekend. I remember looking back, and there was uh, Craig Heisinger. Um, at my dad's funeral, uh, there was Mark Chipman, uh, there was Claude Noel, um, Rick St. Croix, um, and it just tells you the type of people uh, that they are. They, you know, it's just high quality um, individuals that <clears throat> are there for you when you need them um, and always pick up the phone when you have to give a call to them. Uh, so those are two that, uh, that, um, that I've really in, enjoyed and learned a great deal from. And, and, and Scott Arneal as well is one that, um, you know, that we've been close as, uh, over the years, uh, back to when he coached me when I was a player uh, with the Manitoba Moose to, again, being his assistant coach with Manitoba. And then he was with the Rangers um, as an assistant coach, as an associate coach when I was in Hartford. So um, another uh, real intelligent hockey man that, um, that helps me navigate the behind the scenes through the years on, on uh, the NHL and, and getting to the NHL and just again, just a good friend to be able to pick up the phone and, and talk to and, and see how, uh, how he's doing. So there's been lots, but those are three that, uh, that are consistent uh, people in my life. Yeah. It really makes a difference uh, when they're not only there to help you in, in the game, but also on a personal level and you could have those uh, true relationships and friendships with them. So 
uh, great to hear that you had those mentors and those people in your life that were there uh, throughout your time in the game. Giving back in your own sense, if you could go back in time, maybe talking to yourself when you were in your playing days or someone who's looking to enter the game in their own end, uh, what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would succeed in coaching and possibly hockey operations? Um, I would say I would say one thing I would look at myself uh, and I touched on a little bit earlier is, um, yes, you know, it's it's you're busy with your your team um, and your and your work. Um, take some time to step away from your computer um, to go to the press meals to say hello to people. Um, that's something for me that, that doesn't come easy. It's something that I've always had to work at. Um, you know, I'm not a big um, network kind of person. I wasn't built that way, but that's something if I'm telling my, myself, my 30-year-old my self uh, head coach, if I'm telling myself, hey, you know what, this is something that in the way the game of hockey works or uh, in life in general, um, go say hello to somebody. Go to a press meal um, for five minutes, uh, whatever rink you're at. And, and you know what? You might run into somebody you used to uh, play with. You might run into somebody that five years from now you made an impression on. Um, you know, make those, make those phone calls without, um, without bothering people too much. But just um, say hello to people and, 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 and keep in touch with people over the years and take time to build uh, relationships because um, it's important. It's, um, you know, it's, it's all of us take a lot of pride in, in coaching and, um, and, and, and getting the best out of our athletes and, and, and being a good coach, but it's also important to uh, have connections in the game um, that when there is an opportunity and the hockey world is real small, um, that person sitting across the table in an interview might say, you know what, I, I met so-and-so, you know, I remember meeting um, Ryan at a, uh, at a press meal in, in Sarnia and geez, he made a real good impression on me uh, back then. So that's, that's something that, um, that I would tell myself when I was younger that I needed to be better at and something that I've, I've worked on, um, on making sure I improve in that area. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people that will think the same way and it definitely isn't always the easiest, but if you continue to work at just being present in the moment and, and having those conversations, you never know what can come as a result. Uh, Keith, again, I just want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. And we had a little bit of technical issues here with a snowstorm in St. John's, but uh, luckily we were able to get through the conversation and hopefully things continue to go well for you as you move into Vancouver. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for taking the time to, uh, to reach out and call. And um, it's great to meet you. And thank you for the, uh, for the interview. All right. I really appreciate it. All the best. Thanks. I'd like to once again thank Keith for coming on the podcast and giving us the background on his coaching career and sharing the lessons that he has learned throughout his time in the game. Keith is one of those hockey minds who takes something from each and every experience and I have no doubt he'll be successful in his upcoming junior role. If you would like to get in touch with Keith to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact hockeymindspodcast at outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Roy Stasiak, Assistant General Manager and Head Scout with the Tri-City Americans. An intelligent hockey mind in his own field, Roy has experience from the depths of the game all the way to the top, including time with the Toronto Maple Leafs, so come back for that release. Once again, thank you everyone for your support, and stay tuned this week as we announce a number of new guests and share some news on the Hockey Minds Conference. 
It is sure to be a big event, and we want to see all of our listeners there. As always, stay safe, and all the best.